has done its part Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain in my life and in my heart All right, we're good. Great. Well, we're glad to be with you today. I'm Lee Preston with Shadow of His Wings Ministry. I'm here with Corey, our counselor intern. Hi, Corey. Hi. Shay is not with us today, so it'll just be the two of us talking about whatever God brings to our heart. You are listening to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, and it is an outpouring of our own brokenness and God's healing in our lives, and we just appreciate uh, that... He has met us in our brokenness, and God loves meeting you in your brokenness. So we want to go to places today where he would have us go. And so I actually am going to open with prayer this morning, and let's see what God does. Thank you, Father, for meeting us in our broken places and seeing us for who we are. And you know us better than anyone else. You know our hearts, you know our hurts, and you know our intentions. And so may you take us today in this in this next broadcast, wherever you'd like to go. We praise you that you are our hope and you are our healer, but we do believe that you can heal. We do believe that you can heal even these sorts of brokennesses that we're talking about. And so I thank you for taking us to the places of healing. And anyone listening out there, may you take them to the places of healing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was I was just talking to someone, and, and I want to ask you this question and see what your thoughts are. So get ready. Um, All right. Um, this guy has a struggle with same-sex attraction, and he said, you know, I'm just never quite capable of finding – I better change that. He said, I'm, I never feel like I'm quite the perfect man. I'm always looking at others who I think – is the perfect man. What do you think about that? I think that might be one of the main, you know, underlying things of this struggle. And do you think, I mean, I was trying to walk through that a little bit in my own heart, in my own situations, and trying to figure out if we, you know, if people look at themselves if guy let's let's talk about guys struggling specifically in this area you know do you think what do you think causes a guy to begin to believe that he's not manly enough oh it could be a number of things it could be stuff that was said to him as a child maybe with from other kids I mean, I remember playing with a neighbor kid and he called me like a sissy or something and, or he called me a fag, but he, I didn't even know what that meant, you know? And so, but that stuck with me. And then even later on in middle school, he, I wasn't friends with him, but I was in PE with him. And I remember he spit on the ground and he said, oh, Corey, you don't spit. Is that not manly? Enough, or, or are you not manly enough to spit or something like that? You know, so like little things like that could, right. you know, stick with you. And then you start to think, well, maybe I'm not manly. Why would someone think that? What What about me makes somebody think that? Absolutely. And so isn't it kind of interesting that then we as kids begin to actually believe 
that there is something less than about me. You know, and trying to understand what do I do to overcome that belief about myself. Because I don't know about you, but I still, in some of the darker recesses of my heart, still hear that sometimes. Well, you're not manly enough to be that, or you don't fit here because you're not manly enough. And I think that's part of the journey I'd like us to try to take today is how do you help a guy overcome his fear that he's not masculine enough? No matter what he's like. I mean, because I suspect we're talking to folks who are in the range of brokenness, where there may be a guy who has thought about a sex change operation. And so he is very effeminate, has some very effeminate qualities. Is he still masculine? All the way to the other end where, you know, as you and I talked last or yesterday actually about, you know, the guys that we would sometimes run into in our brokenness that looked absolutely quote-unquote normal, right? Right. Didn't look gay at all or look effeminate at all, yet they were participating in the same sexual brokenness as we were. And so... I'm just trying to understand or trying to – I think I'd like to try to walk to a place of, of helping someone find freedom from this belief that somehow I'm never going to be quite enough. Yeah. And and just walking through that place. I think one thing that stands out is that it's not really external because you could be effeminate and little or something and then you could decide, well, I'm going to be manly now and I'm going to – start acting like the stereotypical man and work out. And it's like, you see guys like that in this brokenness and they feel the same way. It doesn't really fix it. So it's something internal, you know? Absolutely. And, and the internal thing is what also led me to think about shame today is, is the, the stickiness of shame. Like when, when someone does speak the word over you, fag, or or over anyone, the word fag or sissy or, or, you know, being on the playground and being told, oh, you know, you can't be on my team because you're not good at this or picked last. All those things produce shame, you know? Yeah. All of those things kind of grow into a shame place of just everything that's here says I'm not good enough. And I was just kind of thinking, how do you overcome those shame-based thoughts that say somehow I'm never going to be like him? And just wondering if we could kind of talk about that. Yeah. Well, something that I was just thinking about is that you mean people, I mean, I, I feel like I I didn't realize it, but shame kind of defined who I was because I was living in that place so much that it just turned into who I was and it just kind of took over instead of this, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize how big of a problem it was, how much of my thinking and my experiences were just based in all this shame from the past. And even the, as a kid feeling inferior because someone called me sissy or whatever, it's like now I still have that feeling, but I could have it about something else. It's like it translates. So it's still there. It just kind of morphs, if that makes any sense. That's a cool way to put it. It's still there, but it just kind of morphs. So any, it's almost like anything that makes us feel less than 
even now still kind of goes into that same bucket of, uh oh, that's that place where I don't live up, do you think? Being up, live yeah. up to being a man? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a scary place. You know, it's like, how do you deal with that? It, it just kind of keeps you stuck if you're always, you know, there. Right. And if you're a guy right now who struggles with same sex attraction and knows that he doesn't want it in his life, and yet he keeps acting out with other men, that could be the reason that it keeps happening because of this constant draw to the place of shame. So if I never feel good about myself, and yet I see a guy who seems to show me some attention, whether it's kind of like we talked about last time about the seductive spirit, if some guy shows a person attention who already feels shameful like I don't live up to a real man, then that can affirm in him, even though it's counterfeit, not from God, but it's a counterfeit place of I can affirm you as a man in this moment because I want you. Right. Right, yeah. But at the same time, it's it's so empty or it's so... Because if you go back to the idea that it's an internal thing that you need, it's like you're just turning to a symbol. I mean, this guy's not really just, he looks masculine. So it it's almost like there's a promise of, I'm going to get something from this guy because that's kind of what you needed as a kid. But it doesn't really fulfill. So, Never satisfies. Yeah. And what what is that place? I guess I I'm just throwing that as a rhetorical question just to kind of think about is is helping a guy overcome his belief that he is not masculine enough is is a I think a a goal of certainly counseling and certainly trying to help somebody is is when you look at yourself in the mirror this is something I had thought about, and I think we talked about maybe talking about is this thing, you know, body dysmorphic disorder, you know, which is kind of, which not kind of, but which is the kind of the disorder that people who have anorexia have. They can't see themselves as thin enough. They keep thinking they have to be more thin. And I wonder if there's a similar situation going on here is that that when we struggle in this area, we can't see ourselves for who we really are. We only see the shame that still is a shroud over us. That's a good analogy, yeah. I mean, when you look in the mirror, you're always comparing yourself to someone else. Right. And I, I think that's such a broken place, and to find freedom from that is is helpful. I know... I, I'm trying to put my finger on it. I know I have found freedom in that area in a lot of ways. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what would be that thing that's helped me in that area? And most of the time, I guess the thing I always come back to is praising him for who he made me to be. And that may sound too simple, but sometimes it's it's important. I've had moments where I'll catch myself to getting a glimpse of another guy and going, why can't I look like him? And just taking a moment to say, okay, Lord, I truly praise you for who you made me to be. I may not look like him, but I am a man. I thank you for my masculinity. I thank you for my manliness. I thank you for what you've created me to be. 
and really trying to voice those things rather than just going into the brokenness and going, oh, well, I guess I have to go look at this guy and now I feel aroused and now I'm going to go act out, you know, breaking that cycle of shame. Yeah, or even asking God, I think you told me about this once, just to ask God to show you um, your own, to help you see yourself for for who you are. Because, I mean, it, it there could be, it could be very distorted. Like, yeah, I think even bodybuilders get that body dysmorphic thing, you Absolutely. know? And so it's like, it's just a twisted way to see yourself. It's almost this feeling of never enough. Yeah. Like, because when you said that about bodybuilders, it's like, absolutely, you start seeing yourself through the eyes of lack, like you're constantly not getting where you where you want to get. You got to do more to be better. Right. And I sometimes wonder if that's caught in with a critical spirit as well. You know, you grew up in a home, you know, not you personally, but let's say we, a person struggles, he grows up in a, in a critical spirited home. And so the next thing he knows... It's like he is constantly under a magnifying glass from his parents. And so then he constantly puts himself under a magnifying glass. And because of his shame, he can never reach perfection. Yeah. He's always saying, I could do better if. What do you think? I guess, let me think. Like sometimes I'll see somebody... You know, that maybe I don't know too well, but it's like, it's easy to look at somebody and think they look like, okay, say it's a guy in this struggle, you know, and and he looks masculine, he acts masculine, he has, he looks like he has everything together, but for some reason he can't get out of the shame thing. So, but on the outside, you know, people might say, you know, what's wrong with you? How can you not see it? Right. You know, I mean, people have said that to me. I mean, you might have had the same thing. It's like nobody can, people can, you know, see how maybe easy it is to let it go, even though it's not easy. I mean, I have family members. Okay, forget that. I know, (laughs) I know people who you can see the shame or you can see the incorrect, like, things that they're telling themselves that aren't really true. It's just, how do you really get out of that? Because it's like, a, it's actually like a belief about yourself that it's so ingrained in you. But, you know, on the outside, it's it looks easy to let go of because people may not see it. I don't know if that makes any sense. It but. makes a lot of sense. And I don't think you ought to cut that out. Um, because I think what's important is is they can't see it. All they see is what they've been told or believe about themselves based upon shame. So if we walk to that place, then we start to see, because it's kind of like a woman who says, oh, I'm not pretty because she's been told she's not pretty. Or, you know, a prostitute who sells her body for sex because sex is more important than her worth because she doesn't see her own worth. It's it's this place of of substituting i mean I, i'm just walking here if we if we look at this and we say so we're substituting the truth for a lie then what we really have to do in overcoming this is finding the truth finding the truth of who we are right i mean what defines a man 
What do you think? Can you answer that? <laughs> well, I think that's that's an interesting question because the very first thing that comes to my, to my mind is this physical characteristics. Just by the mere the mere creation of him as male, having male anatomy, says he's a man. God never said, oh, well, you're a man if you dot, dot, dot. He says, male and female, I made them separately. So males are men. They have the anatomy of a male. Females have the anatomy of a female. And so that is actually what defines us as males. And so that is the place that if we start there, then everyone who doesn't believe they're fully masculine is already masculine if they have those parts, right? Right. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I can see how maybe how uh, it can get a little muddy if you don't feel like you're, you know, masculine enough, if you're not muscular enough, or, you know, and people get into those, you know. And isn't that where it begins to change? Is, yeah. you know, I mean... If we look at what what comparisons begin, like the world of, of this, I mean, this world we live in, which is never enough, never good enough, never capable enough. So even as a little boy, boys start looking at each other and going, am I as strong as he is? Am I as big as he is? Am I as capable as he is? Does does my PP look the same as his PP? Does my life, you know, do I do I do things that his that he does? Am tall, short, muscular, I mean athletic, athletic versus not? Yep. And it, it's funny because I have noticed I, I just think it's amazing there are people who i know people who are like tiny they're like short people that are guys and they're not muscular or anything and they are totally comfortable and they're just absolutely comfortable with themselves and their masculinity and it's like and i think that's the key right there is yeah. is being comfortable in who we are is not an image it's like you said it's internal it's a heart thing of, am I happy with the way God made me? Yeah. I think that's actually really freeing too, because it's like, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't, you know, you don't have to like, it's not really an issue if right. you really get that problem fixed. If you fully adopt that God didn't make a mistake. And I think... I think this absolutely could be a potential problem of all men. See, I don't think just same-sex attracted men struggle with the way they look. Yeah. I think it's manifested differently because of the additional brokennesses that happen in same-sex attraction versus just guys who struggle with their own uh, masculinity. But any inadequacy is common to all men. I mean, I, I think there are some men who would say they don't feel an inadequacy, but and I think you're right. There are some guys who have less of an inadequacy than others and come across as very confident in their masculinity. And I'm not saying there aren't men who, who are that way. I'm saying I think the key there is is having people in your life who constantly speak over you the truth, which is you are a good boy. 
you and having that close relationship with a father and a mother, other people in your life who can speak into you because we all go through those questions, right? I mean, I remember questions growing up. I I know I've worked with folks who've had questions growing up. You mean, the, you mean questions? Or yeah, like mean? questions in your mind as you're growing up. Am I oh, yeah. normal? Mm-hmm. Do I fit? Yeah. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something right about me? Why do why does why do I feel this way and somebody else doesn't seem to feel that way? Why does my ears look like this and his ears don't? Or whatever you can run the gamut of. I mean, because Satan is constantly trying to poke at the way God made us. Because what does he want to do? He wants to shatter us and the image of who we are because we were made in God's image. Right. So if he can destroy our belief of who we were made to be, then he's got half the battle won of who of, of what we'll do with the rest of our life because we'll constantly be living in doubt. That's true. And uh, if you go into the gay world, that only makes that worse because it's so superficial. It's all about um, the physical stuff. You Absolutely. Know, or the outward, you know, whatever. Absolutely. And the physical and the sexual, those are the only two things mm-hmm. that the gay community really focuses on. Yeah. Is how sexual can I be and how, and how physically attractive am I? And if you're not in that place, you're going to always end up falling short. And so you never really deal with your junk. You just carry it around all the time and say, look at me, I'm still not adequate. I mean, what happens, like what would be your first thought if God were to step down right this second and say, Corey, you are absolutely made perfect? My first thought would be, but I screwed it up somehow or it got messed up or, you know, I, I wouldn't really, I would have a hard time just grasping that or really believing that, I think. And don't you think that's common to all? I mean, when they struggle in this area of shame, is that, but you don't understand, either I messed it up or I didn't, I didn't do something I was supposed to do with it, or I hear people say this all the time, uh, I could have worked out more. You know, when they're comparing themselves to someone who they wish, you know, if they had, wish they had more mu- muscles, it's like, well, why couldn't I have just worked out more? But then there's even a shame cycle because I don't work out more because I already don't feel adequate enough that I'll ever even get there. It's like this, uh, and that goes to like perfectionism. I mean, I don't know if we're going off off track, but... Wherever you want. I'm cool. I always have this ideal of what I'm supposed to be, and I don't want to show who I really am. And it's easy to just forget really what you're doing, but that's kind of... A pattern that I've had. Right. And, and what would happen if you started just listing everything about yourself that you don't want to show? In a, like in a friendship or like with people? Period. With people just, in general. Like yeah. What are the things I don't like people seeing about me? Uh, Not that you have to do it here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess... Just the realness, just the mistakes, the the failures, the fears. I mean, not to just spill it, 
you know, because that would that might be weird. But just to be real about it, and not be so freaked out about having to hide everything, and just being real and being able to handle whatever the response is and still be fine, you know. Absolutely, and and as you were talking, I was just as I was listening to you, I was thinking, here's a secret that I think you're just about to expose. And that is, all men feel like they fail in some way or the other. And what's wrong if we just acknowledge that sometimes we feel like we fail? We don't measure up. We don't quite look the way we want to look. We're not as successful as we want to be. We can't make the money that so-and-so has. What if it were okay to just say, you know, I'm not where I want to be and um, I can actually talk about that? And I think that's one of the things of healing that God's been trying to show me is, Lee, I made you just the way you are. And you didn't get here on your own. You got here through brokenness and through pain and through good things as well. And so can you just be okay with where Lee is right now? You want me to answer that? Can, well, can you? I would say no. Really? Sometimes I'm not. And I think that is, if I were to look at that, I would say, okay, that probably is still levels of growing up in a perfectionistic-based place that says you do have to reach better. Always get better. Don't get content with where you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think there's something great about always looking for the next thing, having a vision of what God wants for you. But I think when it affects who you believe yourself to be, then that's a different story. You know, I... I think about, you know, just the craziness of being discontented in who you are. When I was a kid, I used to have a best friend and he and I would wrestle and play together. We had a great time, but he he went through puberty slightly er- earlier than I did. So he had a uh, more physical appearance of a man. He he was stronger, he had more body hair, and so I felt inadequate to that. Why? Well, because sometimes he'd make fun of me, (laughs) you know, like, oh, you know, he'd make call me names because I hadn't gone through puberty yet. And so I still struggle in that area because I still think that I I still feel that inadequate feeling, even though I'm 51 years old, I've gone well past puberty and beyond in those places. I still sometimes feel like, well, that's because you're so inadequate. You didn't get there. And I remember in my brokenness, the men I was attracted to were usually guys who had hairier chests or or stronger muscles or those sorts of things because I could still feel that old place of inadequacy that says, oh, you'll never get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we do in a lot of places is we look at ourselves and say, I'm still not here. If I've made 100000 a year, I should make $150,000. that will make me more, more successful if I've made – You know, if I've reached one goal in my life, I better get more. I had one guy say he didn't think his someone had said at one point he had a weak jaw. So that's what his attraction to men was men who had strong jaws, you know, or, 
you know, it's it's looking at our brokenness and and seeing someone drop a shame bomb on it and then say, "Ah, oh, that's me," instead of acknowledging that that's not me. So yeah. what? So what? I'm not there yet. Having a father who can speak over you, honey, you're going to be great. Don't you worry. You, you're a chip off the old block. I'm a man. You're going to be a man. You may not be where he is, but you'll get there. Don't you worry about it. And trying to live that and speak that over ourselves as best we know how. What do you think? It sounds good, but, you know, it's hard to do. What do you think makes it hard? Um, because it's, it's, I don't know. It's like a, it's almost like this, it's just this belief that it's hard to actually let go of. You could, you could tell yourself it's not true and know it's not true, but it's like a feeling. It's like a, so deep. It goes, you know, the roots are so deep that there's still hints of it. And so, you know, I just wonder how do you uproot it more or, you know. Do you think ever that it's confessing it, bringing this shameful place out into the light? Because I know when I was just talking about that friend of mine and what he used to make fun of me because I hadn't gone through puberty yet. I mean, I could still feel like shame. Uh-oh, people are listening to this. Be careful what you're about to say. <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself as I was saying it, you know, it's it's okay to bring our weaknesses out into the light. Yeah. Then they can't be used against us anymore. I mean, it's it's like when I said there's a secret here that all men might might have fear that they fail. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh yeah, but I'm sure there's some out there who really do great and know they don't fail, and now they know I fail. You know, and so it's kind of like that process of. Of I'm afraid to say what I'm most afraid of because then I won't look like the normal guy that I want to be that I don't think I look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't say somewhere in the Bible like confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. That's right. So kind of goes along with, you know, even just telling someone that you can trust what whatever your your dark things are, you know, your feelings or your sins or whatever it's like you do feel a weight off of you so that could be and then the darkness can't have as much of that place anymore because now it is actually in the light you know i mean if if we were able to just say as men and i mean all men there are times i feel inadequate so let's talk about where you feel inadequate then that might be a place of acknowledging that I don't have to hide it anymore and just try to do some kind of crazy sinful junk to try to make up for my inadequacy other than just acknowledging that I don't I don't feel adequate sometimes. You know, it's I know we've talked about this before. It's that syndrome or that that effect that happens with some guys in same-sex attraction where they walk into a group of men and, then, and they walk into a situation, a social setting where they're with a group of men and they kind of almost shrink down to this little kid in their dad's suit where the, you know, the arms are just flapping and the shoes are no, they don't fit yeah. because it's that little boy in his dad's suit. 
yet he's standing around and he looks like a man on the outside. He appears like a man on the outside, but on the inside, he kind of shrinks back because he's thinking, I don't fit here. And I wonder what would happen if just, like you said, with someone you trust, not with the whole group, but to sit down and just say, I feel like a kid when I walk into the room of of, of a room who, who I believe are successful men. What would happen if I just said that out loud? And yeah. I can tell you, I used to. I don't nearly as much now, but I'm not trying to just pretty it up and say, oh, I don't have that problem anymore. I'm saying I still sometimes feel that way. Yeah, I think that is good, but also I do think that you might want to be careful just because it might it might uh, affect the way they treat you, depending on who you tell, if you say that, you know? Gotcha. Tell me what that means. Just if you tell somebody, if you tell a group of guys that, or somebody that maybe wants to use that against you, then... That could that could be that could be bad. Sure. So the key there is to is to be cautious in who you tell, but that's kind of the the healing even in masculine friendships, right? Is is to not always be afraid to share because of what might happen, but to be cautious and not just doing what some guys who struggle with same-sex attraction is, which is just dumping your entire life on someone the minute you meet them and wanting to be your best buddy. Yeah. It's like friendships take time, and so you would want to share that with a group of men that you felt like you've had some time with to know that you can trust them. But let's go the opposite direction for just a little bit, not in a group of strangers, but let's say you meet a group of guys, you start a Bible study, and you think, man, I really want to confess some things to these guys, one to another, that I sometimes feel like I'm inadequate. What if some guy does say something like, oh, man, you know, you are inadequate, you know, or I don't have that problem at all. You are some sort of weird dude. What would happen? To me? Or, or to anyone. What do you think? Well, what do you think you might feel? What do you think people might feel? I guess, I mean, I don't know. That could reinforce some of the shame. Um, it could, it would be, I mean, because you're confessing that you're already putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. Right. So, and that would hurt, I think, if somebody was like, like that, or even if you found out someone said it later, you know, behind your back or whatever. But I don't know. I, I almost think confessing that it's like that. That is pretty. It makes you strong in a way. It makes you. I mean, it's courageous to do. So it's you know because I think a lot of time in this brokenness, you want to overcompensate. You want to try to act like something you're not. Right. You know. Yeah. And so. To just embrace it and to not try to, I mean, just to be real, I guess. I, you know. I think that's cool. And I, I actually think, I guess there's a part of me, and maybe as you get stronger, like right now, as you were saying that, I was saying, I think that it would also be okay to say, that's your opinion. I don't have to believe you. Because isn't that some of our brokenness is, is we've always just believed what everyone's told us? Yeah, that's true. Like, their opinion is more valuable, more valid, and more accurate than yours. Right. You know? Yeah. And more higher than even God's opinion. 
It's like God says, I made you perfectly, and someone says, uh-oh, no, your nose is a little off. Then it's like, oh, wow, I guess my nose is a little off. But also, w- w- would you say that that would still affect you? I mean, even though you could say, well, that's just your opinion, w- would it, wouldn't that kind of get that wound, like, you know, stir up some stuff that it's, you know, it's easy to say that you would just say, sure, you know. And I'm not denying that it might not stir up the wound, but I feel a bit of a different place in my wound that I feel like is stronger to be able to say, I really don't believe you anymore. I actually feel like I would probably say in my own head, I might not say it to this guy, but I might say, you know what, you're telling me that I'm broken, but you're probably saying it because you really do feel inadequate. And you don't really want to say that out loud, so you keep up the facade of saying, I'd never feel inadequate. I mean, I think it has helped for me to get to see into the mind of people I work with that there are all of us out here who feel inadequate. It's just that some people hide it better than others. You know? There's also some people who who don't look like they have the issue. It's like it's kind of like seeing a couple for the first time and thinking, wow, they have such a great life. They've got the great, nice house and the three cars and the successful business and they're, you know, they're, you know, for all practical outward, outward purposes, they look well put together. And then you start to get to know them and you see their hurts. It's like trying to break that shame cycle that says deep down in your heart, I'm the only one that's this bad. And if people were to see me, then they'd, they'd see that I'm that bad. They'd, it would define me. And I think that's what God wants to break. I don't feel that definition anymore. And it defines you when you don't tell them. Is that what you... Because... It defines you when you don't confess it, mm-hmm. and it starts to heal it when you do confess it. No matter what the response is, or... Well, is it any different than someone calling you a fag in the hallways at school? Anyone. I'm saying no. It would still hurt. It definitely hurts. But at some point, you'd not, you're not that little boy anymore that carries that in. You become to be the man who says i'm not that you know forget you that's not who i am i'm not saying it comes overnight but sometimes sometimes what we accidentally do is we just hold it all in and we just don't let anybody see us we hide and we only let out what we think is socially acceptable that people won't look past oh well lee's such a nice guy that's all they know. And I don't say anything more. I hide. I don't really get honest. I don't really tell people what I really feel because it hasn't been acceptable to tell what you really feel. And I'm saying it's good to break to break that, to keep saying, this is what I really do feel. Even if somebody says, oh, man, you're weird. No, I'm really not weird. I can feel this way, and I suspect there are other people in this room that do. And then you end up finding out that somebody comes up later and says, hey, I I feel the same way you do. We also have to remember we're not that eight-year-old little boy anymore. I think that's who drives our heart sometimes. 
And he still feels like he's eight sitting in this table with a bunch of guys and they're talking about football and he just wants to run and get out of that situation. But I've seen in my own life, the more I've kind of realized I'm not that little kid anymore. And what would be the worst thing that would happen if somebody said, what, really? You don't know anything about football? The eight-year-old might cut and run at that point and say, forget you. I'm not even going to say anything anymore. But the adult has begun to say, no, I don't know anything about football. I hate football. Watching football to me is like watching paint dry. And being able to say, I don't have to be like you to be acceptable. That's cool. That's kind of an underlying belief that I think is important to begin to look at is, can I just be me and still be acceptable? Even if there's someone in the crowd who may not like that. I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt. I'm not going to say that it might not still feel a sting. But it's slowly being able to let that little boy stand up and say, wait a minute, I don't have to be like you. God made me perfectly the way I am. I don't have to look like you, act like you, or be like you to be acceptable. Yet that is what we feel as kids, and I think that's just a beginning conversation. So I appreciate you joining us. We've just kind of gone back and forth looking at several different things about shame and perfection and, and what it feels like to feel inadequate. Maybe you do feel inadequate. Maybe you've been listening and you have felt some of these things. God calls us adequate. There is true completion in who we are in Christ. And I know that's a pretty church phrase for a not-so-easy journey because sometimes it's harder to understand how complete we are in Christ than to just say it out loud and put it on a sweet bumper sticker. We don't mean to make bumper sticker statements, but it is cool if you can come to the place where you at least begin to understand that when God says, I made you perfectly, he meant it. We thank you for joining Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. Maybe you'd like to check out another podcast. We have a podcast ministry at healinghiddenwounds.com. Check out some of the podcasts. Let us know what you think of them. You can contact us at shadowofhiswingsministry.com. Thanks so much for listening in.